Pastor Xavier Reese says the faith that God honors is active faith. There are people in our life who we think they're the last people God could save. Jesus gives us the call of Matthew in verse 17. He didn't come to call righteous, but sick people. You see, we must acknowledge that we're sick before we really go to the doctor. As long as I don't think I'm sick, I don't go. And so we must come to realize how sick we are in terms of sin and our need of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How many in every age can testify that they have learned wisdom by affliction? Losses have proven real gain, and sicknesses have led them to the great physician of souls. Many can say, like David in Psalm 119, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And so it was with the paralytic man, carried by four men and lowered through the roof, seeking healing at the feet of Jesus. Pastor Xavier delivers this simple truth study about active faith, titled, How God Relates to Men. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Jesus has just crossed the Sea of Galilee in a boat, and he's come to his own city, Capernaum. And verse 1 says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go your way to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. In this passage here of these 12 verses, we have a picture of how God reaches out to sinners. In the first two verses, we see that God reaches out to sinners by preaching the word of God. The reference to the word in verse 2, it's the word logos, the very same word in the Gospel of John where it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and God was the word. And in verse 14 of John's Gospel in chapter 1, he says, and the word became flesh and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here we have the person of Christ, the living word, the ultimate revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And so God reaches out to sinners, first of all, by his word. In verses 3 through 5, 
we see that God reaches out to sinners by faith. The faith that God honors is active faith. Verse 3 and 4. They came, they brought the paralytic, they were carrying him, these four men. And they would, when they could no longer come near the house because it was crowded, there was not even any room at the door, they got up on the roof, they broke it open, and they lowered him from the rooftop. These four men heard about Jesus and they brought their friend to see Jesus. And here they are, they're dropping this guy with his bed and all. And yet as Jesus looked upon him, I'm sure he did not look with disgust. He didn't rebuke them. But he honored it. Because he says there in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, you see, he saw that their faith was genuine. Not just for the healing. Not just for what God could do for them, but they believed of who he was. And God looks upon your heart. And God looks upon my heart. And he knows whether our faith is genuine or whether it is just to get something from God. It's an act of faith that he honors. I hear many people say, oh, I believe in the Lord. Oh, I believe and he can do anything. But they're very passive. Their faith is not active. They profess a lot of things, but there's no real possession from what I can see. Now, that doesn't mean that my conclusions are right. Because God looks upon your heart and my heart and he can see whether it's genuine faith. But God has allowed us as Christians to be able to judge our faith, whether it's active or passive, by what happens in our life. Does your faith resemble active faith of these four? Or does it just lie there passive towards the promises of God? Can you see the ability and possibility in other people's lives? But for you, you said, no, God cannot do that for me. Then God would have you to step out actively and believe him for what he wants to do in your life. Nothing's impossible for him. It may seem impossible to you. Are you easily discouraged at what goes on in your life that you turn back all of a sudden? You give up. You began to pray and you think that God might want this for you. You start praying and all of a sudden, because of a week or two, you don't receive. You give up. You say, well, I guess God doesn't want me. We give up so easy. There was a miner who once went to Colorado and he mined this gold mine. And then it went dry. He lost the vein. And he began to just dig in every way and he missed it. He couldn't get it. His resources, all that he had brought out of it, had began to dwindle. He finally saw that he was just going to lose everything. He went into a little town and sold everything for a beggarly amount to this individual. This individual came out to the mine. He hired a geologist. He did a study of the mine. He says, if you will just dig three more feet to the right, you will find the vein. The man struck it rich. I think that some of us are like that man. We've, we stopped three feet short 
of God's blessing. We need to not be discouraged. We need to trust God and what his word tells us, what God tells me where I'm at. Not comparing myself to anyone else, but what do you have for me, Lord? What's my responsibility to you? Are you discouraged regarding your marriage? Do you see other marriages God blesses and you, and you say, praise God, but you look at your own and you say, never? You say, you don't understand, you don't know my wife. She says, you don't understand, you don't know my husband. The key is not you or your wife. The key is Christ. But unless you open your heart and see God's ability and potential for you, nothing will happen. You've got to step out and believe that God can do and then open your heart and be willing for him to change you and to do that work in you, to do it in me. If not, then nothing will happen. How about your children? Are you discouraged over them? Are you going through difficult times? Are they going through the teens and, and perhaps that you're getting a little rough in there? It's getting a little rocky. Are you freaking out? We have to trust God for it. We have to pray. We have to go to the Word. But see, today's Christian community is giving us so many other alternatives than prayer in the Word and trusting God in active faith. Just stop and count how many times you hear of advertisement for um, hospitals for you to throw your kids in so that it's easier for you. The Christian community has caught on to the big bucks. I think it's a slap in the face to God. Whatever happened to praying on our knees and not getting up till we receive an answer? Whatever happened to fasting until you hear from God? Whatever happened to good old gospel? Oh no, we've got too many alternatives. We can go to these professionals and put a band-aid on something that needs surgery. That's about the size of it. Is your faith active for your life and your family? Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Where are you at? And the bottom line is that we must realize that only God can see our faith if it's active. Sometimes I'm sure and I'm convinced that my faith is very passive because I'm going through a drought, I'm going through the valleys and everything seems so gloomy. But I am to hope beyond hope where there is no hope because it doesn't depend on me but on Him. My responsibility is to abide and to trust and to commit myself to Him. All of us will go through valleys. All of us will go through times when it just seems that we, we can't even bring any flower, let alone any fruit. And sometimes God will prune us back. But it's those pruning times that really are going to give us the strength and the maturity to bring forth fruit. So we should not be discouraged or dismayed. But trust in God. But thirdly, God reaches out to sinners to save them. That's the bottom line. God reaches out to sinners to save them. Not to give them a revelation. Not to impress them. But to save them. In verse 5, Jesus said, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Salvation comes through the forgiveness of sins. You cannot be saved by joining a church. You cannot be saved by writing your name in a scroll. 
You cannot be saved by any works of your own righteousness. You cannot be saved by giving a certain amount of money. You're only saved by believing that Christ can forgive you of your sins. And if you come to that conclusion, it's because there's been conviction of your heart against the absolute standard of God's word. And that is a work of God, not of man. The word sin means to miss the mark. We've all missed the mark. The word forgiveness means to throw or to sin from oneself. And the Bible says in Psalm 103, 12, that God puts our sins as far as east is from the west. And the prophecy says he buries them in the deepest ocean and he never, ever mentions them again. Now, what a promise. That God would cleanse me of all my sins and make me a new creature and save me. But notice also that salvation will be opposed by men when it's in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 and 8. The scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like these? The penalty was stoning. Why? Because he was making himself out to be God. They said only God can forgive sins. Notice their opposition is from their heart. The word reasoning means to bring together and resolve in one's mind. In other words, to deliberate. They were saying, how can this man forgive sin? He's only a man. But no, he was not a man. He was more than a man. He was God. And so Jesus wasn't asking if they believe he was able. Jesus was declaring, I am able. Whether you agree or not, I am able. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. It is the seed of the intellect, the emotions, and the will. And if your heart is not open to the work of God, then you control your own heart. And your will fights against God. They were, these were the religious men of the day. Surely they were saying they were the only ones that were going to get in heaven. But the truth of the matter was they were never going to get in. Because they had figured out God. And they did not accept their Messiah. Many will oppose you and say, what do you mean you're saved? Were you drowning? What happened? <laughs> and it will seem like foolishness. But it will be a tremendous benefit to your life. Because it doesn't make any sense. What do you mean God saved you? What do you mean he changed your life? You, you, you chose, you know, you, you just got tired of what you were doing and it was time for a change. No, God changed me. God saved me. But notice also here that salvation reveals God's authority, not man's. He says there in verse 9, Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go your way to your house. The easiest would have been to say your sins are forgiven. No evidence would have had to have been given. But to say to the man, take up your bed and walk, the evidence would have to be manifested. In man's eyes, the most difficult was healing. But really, the most difficult is forgiveness of sin. Because someone has to pay the price. 
God shows us here that there's a difference between power and authority. Power means you have the ability to do something. But authority means you have the right to do what you do. And the power is accompanied to confirm that. There are a lot of politicians who have power to do many things and they do it and then they get in trouble. They didn't have the authority. Jesus says, I have the authority. In other words, he was God's representative, being God himself and being man to forgive sins. But also salvation makes man whole and able to walk before God. He told him, take up your bed and walk. This paralytic man is a beautiful picture of each individual who doesn't know God. Crippled. Unable to walk before God and before man the way God intended him to. Only as God would touch your life and touch mine can we walk upright. Justified in Jesus Christ as a light to the world. Only then. I think the picture of the woman of Samaria is a classic illustration. She wasn't the most likely candidate for salvation in those days. And yet, Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. There are people in our life who we think they're the last people God could save. <laughs> and they're probably the ones that are closest to salvation. Jesus goes on to share later on as he gives us the call of Matthew in verse 17 that he didn't come to call righteous but sick people, sinners, to repentance. You see, we must acknowledge that we're sick before we really go to the doctor. As long as I don't think I'm sick, I don't go. It's when I really feel that I'm sick that I go. And so we must come to realize how sick we are in terms of sin and our need of Jesus Christ. He has that authority. Salvation is always God's priority over physical healing, though physical healing is available to us. Man always is looking for the immediate benefit. And yet Jesus, first of all, says your sins are forgiven. There's a priority. People say, well, if God could heal him, then he'd believe. No, not really. Jesus says, you are an adulterous and wicked generation who seek a sign. When you come by faith, God saves you. And if God desires to touch you, he will. But his priority is salvation. Because if you're healed physically, but you're never saved spiritually, then you'll live out the rest of your life whole, but you'll die and be eternally separated from God. But if God would choose to leave you crippled and to save you spiritually, the minute you die, you'll receive a brand new body, one that will blow your mind, and you'll be eternally with God. See, God looks at the eternal end, not the immediate benefit. And yet he gives us an opportunity in James 5.15 to pray when we're sick that God would heal us. But God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Peter says. That's the priority of God in his word, to save mankind. Salvation will be considered foolish in the name of Christ. They'll say, oh, come on, how about Allah? How about Buddha? How about him? They never rose from the dead. They never declared to be God. Only Jesus did. 
And some people will just get outraged when you tell them that salvation is only in the name of Jesus Christ. But that's what God has revealed. You don't need to apologize. You don't need to be afraid. It's God's standard. And we cannot add to it. And we cannot take away from it. As foolish as it may seem, there is only one way to heaven. Jesus Christ. And there's no other way. Acts 4.12 says that. Jesus said that in John 14.6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And so I will be as open as Jesus is. And I will be as narrow as Jesus is. And I can do no more. And remember that salvation is based on the authority of God's love, mercy, to justify man before God. Not on what man can do. Not on what man can conjure up. But on God's justifying grace. Because he loves us. We don't deserve it. But he freely gives it to us. And as each of us receive salvation or have received salvation, that should be sufficient to get us on fire to share with others. That they can freely receive as we have received. This is a very vivid picture of sinful man in need of God. And God reaches out to sinners by preaching of the word of God. The simple word. No big to do, but just simplicity. And he does it and honors it by faith. That act of faith that trusts what has been heard and does not just try to figure it out, but says, Lord, I believe you for it. And to even say, help thou my unbelief. And leaving it in God's hands. But also that... He reaches out to sinners for the sole purpose of saving them. That's the bottom line, people. If you come to church to hear nice little sermons, if you come to church because you're seeking just a godly wife and you're not concerned with your relationship with Jesus Christ, then, then you're wrong. God desires to save you and to work in you and through you to the day of Jesus Christ. But you need to take up your bed and walk. Don't just sit passive. Don't be discouraged. Get up and walk. God has just given you the beginning of a whole new decade. What are you going to do in the kingdom of God in the next 10 years to come if the Lord should tarry? How is God going to use you? How many people will come to know Jesus Christ through your life and through the words you will share? We're all instruments of God. Sometimes you'll plant, sometimes you'll break up fallow ground, sometimes you'll sow, sometimes you'll water, and sometimes you'll reap. But you'll always be in the labor of that harvest at one point or another. That is God's purpose for you and myself. And so as God continues to reach out to you, be an instrument for His glory. Be a blessing to others. Don't just be so caught up with yourself that you're always looking people to bless you. Freely you have received. Freely give. He holds victory in store for the upright. 
He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Pastor Xavier Reese concludes a simple truth study of faith drawn from Mark chapter 2 today. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled How God Relates to Man are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is simply How God Relates to Man. Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com